This is Reverend Charles Fenson. I'm the interim pastor at Presbyterian Church of the Covenant in Costa Mesa, California. This is the morning worship service. Our address is 2850 Fairview Road, Costa Mesa, California, 92626. Our website is pccov.org, and our Facebook page is pccov. And our email is info at pccov.org. We welcome you to this service. Our vision statement is that the Presbyterian Church of the Covenant is a Christ-centered community set free by grace and placed in our neighborhoods to serve and to invite all people into a wondrous relationship with God. God bless you as you worship with us. Good morning, people of God. Good morning, friends in Christ. Welcome to worship. Welcome to the Presbyterian Church of the Covenant, Costa Mesa. I'm Charles Fenson. I'm the interim pastor here, and we welcome you to Bell's Noels. It's exciting to have all these musicians here and all in red scarves, and they're getting their picture taken right now. Okay. So welcome all neighbors and friends and family. We don't have time to introduce everyone here, but if you are fairly new to us, just lift your hands so we can say hello and welcome to every one of you. Welcome to every one of you. <laughs> Presbyterians don't lift their hands up like that, so this is very kind of intimidating. <laughs> so please take a moment to find the friendship books and pass them along that we might have record of your worship. We might greet you during the uh, greeting time. Men's Bible study meets on Tuesday at 3. Our consistory deacons and elders meet at 6 o'clock on Tuesday evening. Presbyterian women meet on Wednesday, is that right? And then the Bible study for women continues on Wednesday night? No, you're, you're off for, the, for, the, off for the, the year, no, no, off for the season, as are the, uh, as are the two, uh, uh, Thursday group. Uh, just a quick announcement, there is a brief congregational meeting following worship today. We are electing elders and deacons for our church, and if you would like to be a part of that, this, this meeting will be like three minutes, but we'll give you a chance to depart if you need to do that too. So blessings, we have a custom here where we, we stand up and we greet our neighbors in Christ, so stand up please and put out your hand. Oh, 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 friends of the arts. There is a retiring offering uh, to help defray the costs of this wonderful music today, and these are baskets in the back of the church following worship. Thank you, and uh, one more thing. We have a guest organist. She's very, very good, and a professor of music at Relance University, and she will do a prelude for us by none other than the great Bach. Everybody knows about him. So let's greet for a couple of minutes, and then we'll hear the prelude, okay? Please be seated, and we will call ourselves to worship by listening quietly to this wonderful prelude. Please be seated. Let us, let us worship God.
please rise for the call to worship. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to everyone. The Lord is near. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has appointed me to bring good news to the oppressed. The wilderness and the dry land shall be glad. The desert shall rejoice and blossom. Like the crocus, it shall blossom abundantly and rejoice with joy and singing. Let us pray. Almighty God, you have made us and all things to serve you. Now prepare the world for your rule. Come quickly to save us so that wars and violence shall end and your children and this world may live in peace, honoring one another with justice and love. We worship this day through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives in the power with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Let us sing our hymn of praise, Joyful, Joyful. Today, we relight the first two candles of the Advent wreath, the candle of hope and the candle of love. Today, we light the third candle of Advent, the candle of joy. As the coming of Jesus, our Savior draws near, our joy builds with the anticipation of his birth. From the book of Isaiah, we read the words of our Lord. But be glad and rejoice forever in what I am creating. For I am about to create Jerusalem as a joy, and its people as a delight. From the New Testament, the words of Paul to the people of the Church of Galatia, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. If we live by the Spirit, let us also be guided by the Spirit. And from Philippians, if then there is any encouragement in Christ, any consolation from love, any sharing in the Spirit, any compassion and sympathy, make my joy complete 
be of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord, and of one mind. Let us pray. We joyfully praise you, O Lord, for the fulfillment of your promise of a Savior and what that means in our lives. Thank you for the gift of salvation through the birth of your Son, Jesus. Create us anew as we wait and help us to see your glory as you fill our lives with joy through your living spirit. Amen. Good morning. Most of you know my name is Jeff. I'm the elder of finance and the church treasurer. In the Advent season is also the time of uh, pledging and tithing. And I know that's been talked about quite a bit, and I'm not going to spend a lot of time on that. I will say that I Googled it, and tithing appears 20 times in Scripture. Um, I'm not going to repeat all of that. Um, But I want to talk about why tithing is important to me and here at this church and to our session. This Tuesday, our session is going to work on the budget, hopefully finalize the budget for 2019. Without knowing what, what your pledges are, without being able to rely on your, your gifting, it's very difficult to plan. And we have to plan our staffing, uh, uh, um, our facilities, and our programs. And so tithing is important for us to be able to do that. Now, we get income from many different sources, but our pr- principal income is from pledging. Uh, in 2017, we had an actual uh, receipts of $311,000. Um, and so for 2018, we budgeted $315,000. To date, uh, that is through November, um, we've received 260 of that 315, leaving about $55,000 short. This year, our pledges have reached $243,000 for 2019, um, and that is 62 members pledging. Last year, at the same time, we had pledges totaling almost $262,000. So you can see that we're a little bit light going into 2019, and I hope that for those who haven't pledged yet, You'll do so today. There should be cards in front of the pews um, or send an email to me or uh, any of the elders uh, or just drop a note in the uh, offering plate so that we can, on Tuesday, accurately plan the programs for 2019. Thank you very much. The proof of God's amazing love is this. While we were sinners, Christ died for us. Because we have faith in him, we dare to approach God with confidence. In faith and penitence, let us confess our sin before God and each other. God of grace and truth, in Jesus Christ you came among us as light shining in darkness. We confess that we have not welcomed the light or trusted good news to be good. We have closed our eyes to glory in our midst, expecting little and hoping for less. Forgive our doubt and renew our hope 
so that we may receive the fullness of your grace and live in the truth of Christ the Lord. Hear the good news. Who is in position to condemn? Only Christ, and Christ died for us. Christ rose for us. Christ reigns in power for us. Christ prays for us. Anyone who is in Christ is a new creation. The old life has gone. A new life has begun. Know that in Jesus Christ, you are forgiven and be at peace. And now would you please stand as we repeat an affirmation of our faith. Glory to you, Almighty God, for you sent your only begotten Son that we might have new life. Glory to you, Lord Jesus Christ, for you became flesh and dwelt among us that we might become your people. Glory to you, Holy Spirit, for you direct and rule our lives. Glory to you, Almighty God, and to your Son, Jesus Christ, and to the Holy Spirit, now and forever. Amen.
Yes, we named this collection of, um, I would say, this is very nice and moving, and a very simple, in a way, message for Christmas through music. We have a collection of several pieces. Some are known, some are not very well known. But um, this whole thing is about, if I have to put it in one phrase, is where or when the heaven met the earth. Could you relate to that? It did. Because Jesus came, God, God uh, the Son came and he took a, f a human form as small as a baby. Well, anytime you think of this, you think of purity, you think of innocence. Um, you know, we cannot talk about sin in heaven. It is part of our world. But we saved people. We think we're probably not uh, in that category because we're doing our best to stay away from sin. And if we sin, God is going to forgive us. If we're going to, you know, call on his name. All right, let's move to this music a little bit. You heard the Sussex uh, Carol. It is a British carol. Some people know it. Very well arranged by a young composer. Her name is Elaine Hagenberg. And uh, the title of this presentation is Bells, Noels, dot, dot, dot. What will that be? Well, we, you, did you hear the bells? Okay, you hear that? We're going to ding-dong it very big time at the, at, the, at the end of this presentation. So we're going to have bells. Noels are coming, one from Ireland, the other ones from the U.S., you know, so we're going to have Noels as well. What are the dot, dot, dot? One is a song about a shepherd's song. Angels came to sing to the shepherds. And it's a very nice mix, a mix uh, between this and some passages of the scripture that talks about Jesus as a great shepherd. And, um, you know, um, then we're going to have the lullaby, which uh, I'm going to talk a little more later about that. Uh, another very, very uh, moving image of the birth of Jesus, the way he was in there with Mary. Simple things, very moving, in a minor key. And I think we're going to have pieces of some contrast. You're going to notice this. And uh, I just wanted to make a little bit of a recommendation to you. You probably noticed, oh, you don't know yet. The words are not on the PowerPoint. So please consult your uh, bulletins for the words of the music we are about to perform. So the next two pieces we're going to do, it's a Celtic Noel by Michael Barrett and uh, the Shepherd song by um, Molly Iams.
The next two pieces, uh, contrast. Noel, a very, very happy Noel, very energetic, followed by the lullaby. It's in a minor key. It is not sad. It's just the reality the way it was. There is a lot of, how do I say, a lot of feel of serenity in that. And it's, um, I think, for all of us, doesn't matter in what mood we are in, I think this will speak to all of us. And then, after that, of course, we're going to ding-dong the whole thing again. Say 
Thank you, Chancel Choir, Cornell, Micah, all of our guest musicians here today. Thank you. Thank you. Our scripture lessons on this third Sunday of Advent are taken from Luke's Gospel, chapter 1. Let us listen for God's word to us. In the days of King Herod of Judea, There was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly order of Abijah. His wife was a descendant of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. Both of them were righteous before God, living blamelessly according to all the commandments and regulations of the Lord. But they had no children because Elizabeth was barren, and both were getting on in years. Once when he was serving as priest before God and his section was on duty, Zechariah was chosen by lot according to the custom of the priesthood to enter the sanctuary of the Lord and offer incense. Now at the time of the incense offering, the whole assembly of the people was praying outside. Then there appeared to him an angel, the Lord, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was terrified and fear overwhelmed him. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you will name him John. You will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth, 
for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He must never drink wine or strong drink. Even before his birth, he will be filled with the Holy Spirit. He will turn many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God. With the spirit and power of Elijah, he will go before him to turn the hearts of parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Zechariah said to the angel, How will I know that this is so? For I am an old man and my wife is getting on in years. The angel replied, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God. I have been sent to speak you and bring you this good news. But now, because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their time, you will become mute, unable to speak until the day these things occur. Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah and wondering at his delay in the sanctuary. When he did come out, he could not speak to them, and they realized that he had seen a vision in the sanctuary. He kept motioning to them and remained unable to speak. When his time of service was ended, he went to his home. After those days, his wife Elizabeth conceived, and for five months she remained in seclusion. She said, This is what the Lord has done for me when he looked favorably on me and took away the disgrace I have endured among my people. And in verse 39. In those days, Mary set out and went with haste to a Judean town in the hill country where she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greetings, the child leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit and exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why has this happened to me that the mother of my Lord comes to me? For as soon as I heard the sound of your greeting, the child in my womb leaped for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her by the Lord. The word of the Lord. Let us bow together in prayer. Gracious God, we do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from your mouth. Make us hungry this day for heavenly food that it may nourish us in the ways of eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. One of the delights of living in a small community, especially in the more rural areas of our country, is the willing and lively spirit of theater. Small cities, often far from cultural centers like Los Angeles or New York City, defy the odds of awkwardness or failure to produce all variety of amateur comedy or dramatic performance. Typically, for example, in New Hampshire, Thornton Wilder's play Our Town may indeed star a local newspaper man or a church choir master and be shared by appreciative audiences not unlike Grover's Corners. In equally dramatic fashion, we have a play before us in the opening words of Luke's Gospel. And like the performances of small theater, the stars of this play are local heroes too. There's an aging country priest, his wife also up in years, a messenger or two from heaven, puzzled crowds, 
a young virgin girl whose life was to be changed forever. So our play begins, Act 1, Scene 1. During the 40-year reign of Herod, a Jew by lineage, but enough of a secularist to be on Rome's payroll, during Herod the Great's governorship of Judea, a certain priest, Zechariah, served in the temple of Jerusalem. Zechariah's most Jewish priest was a family man. He was married to Elizabeth, and both were strongly disciplined in their religious life. They obeyed as best they could the rule and practice of their faith. Zechariah and Elizabeth were right before God, even blameless. Luke tells us that they obeyed all the commandments of the Lord, but they were without children. And in their faith and tradition, to be without children meant that God had withheld a full and final blessing. Zechariah and Elizabeth knew that, and they were resigned to live with their childless state since they were older and past the age of childbearing. As the lights gradually brighten, we view an unusual scene. It was the Reverend Zechariah's once-in-a-lifetime honor to perform the sacred duties in the inner sanctuary of the Jerusalem temple. Zechariah belonged to the Levitical division of Abijah, one of 24 orders of priests dating back to the great King David some a thousand years before Zechariah. The Abijah priests were taking their six-month duty, offering prayers on behalf of God's people twice daily, morning and evening, and finally, Zechariah's lot came to perform. Zechariah's entire life calling and training brought him to this one penultimate religious privilege. This was no routine day for Zechariah. The crowd stood outside in the temple courtyard watching the incense rise from the temple sanctuary as Zechariah knelt inside the sacred historic pieces of furniture before him. Kneeling did Zechariah to pray for his people's forgiveness and redemption. Zechariah thought he was alone. But mysteriously, another presence stood by him. Zechariah looked up and fear came upon him, sheer terror. Who was this? What was this? And the visitor began to speak. Do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard. Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son, and you will name him John. You see, your prayer has been heard. My prayer, pondered Zechariah, I'm not here praying for a son. Elizabeth and I have long given up on that. My duties here in the temple are to pray for a coming Messiah. What could my son possibly have to do with Israel's anointed one? Who is this imposter? So Zechariah faced off with his intruder. How do I know what you are saying is true? I am old and my wife is old. And the angel comes back and said, and I, am Zach, and I am Gabriel. Yes, Zechariah had read of the angel Gabriel's visits to the prophet Daniel of old, but all Zechariah could now hear was a stern power. I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God, sent to speak to you, Zechariah, to bring you this good news. Yet you do not even believe God, so you will become silent, mute, unable to speak until these things are fulfilled. End of speech, exit Gabriel, Zechariah is alone. Meanwhile, the crowd is out in the courtyard wondering, what's the holdup here? Why is this taking so long? We've got to get to work. 
And in time, Zechariah appeared bewildered, shaken as if he had seen an angel or something. Zechariah addressed the crowd but didn't speak. A few hand signs and the puzzled crowd dispersed, perceiving that the old priest had seen something inside, perhaps a vision. Zechariah finished his term and returned to his home quietly. And in time, Elizabeth became pregnant and she retreated quietly into the Judean hill country. House lights dim. End of Act One. And instead of the usual applause, we in the audience sit in silence, for we have witnessed something more than mere performance. This story is to change our lives and transform our world. Act two is the story of the same angel's visit, this time to Mary. And we'll talk about that part of the drama next Sunday on the fourth Sunday of Advent. Skipping to Act three, now we're going to feature a protagonist in this play. Up until this point, we've only heard about this person. We know that she is a descendant of Aaron, the brother of Moses, co-leader of Israel. We know that she was a righteous woman living blamelessly, that she stood in the tradition of faithful women who were also older and gave birth, elderly Sarah delivered Isaac, Hannah gave birth to her son Samuel, and we know that her name was Elizabeth, and like Isaac and Samuel, Elizabeth's child would be important in the bringing of a new era in the history of God's people. Indeed, John, later called John the Baptist, was a forerunner to the Messiah. So the setting in Act 3 is Elizabeth's house, and it's Mary, Elizabeth's cousin, who had left Nazareth, left with the announcement that fresh in her heart that she too would have a coming child. So with haste, Mary came to that Judean village where Zechariah and Elizabeth lived, and upon entering the house in that rugged hill country, upon Mary greeting Elizabeth, the child in Elizabeth's womb, what? Leaped for joy. And Luke, the playwright, tells us that Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit and she embodied the very presence of God and she blessed Mary with a loud voice, Blessed are you, Mary, and blessed are you among women and blessed is that child, the fruit of your womb. Then a statement of humility coming from an older woman to her younger kinswoman. Why has this happened to me? That the mother of my Lord should visit me. Why? When you greeted me, Mary, the child with me, bleep for joy. Blessed are you, Mary, for you believe God and God's Word. Today is the third Sunday of Advent. In eight short days, Christmas Eve, I would ask that we note these two responses of Zechariah and Elizabeth. In the rush of, of Christmas tidings and the news of the day coming at dizzying speed, it's the seasoned Zechariah and the fresh Elizabeth that gives us blessings. Temple routine broken by an angel's unbelievable announcement, a child in your old age, a child that would bring this elderly couple joy and gladness, not to drink wine or strong drink, who in his day would go out in the spirit of the mighty prophet Elijah to turn back the hearts of God to the people of Israel. 
And so it was so. Zachariah and Elizabeth went into seclusion, and little cousin Mary comes for a visit. You too, Mary? I'm honored. We've all seen many Advents and Christmas tides come and go. What will our response be to the outpourings of these good tidings? Maybe like Zechariah, you're a seasoned believer, and maybe you will be mute, silent, unable to even articulate in any understandable way the response to the news that God has broken into space and time to love you and forgive you and bring you back to God. Through your faith, either strong or wavering in the Son Christ, perhaps that good, astonishing, even familiar news will silence you, mute you. Perhaps you will have a quiet voice this season. I would encourage all of us who are seasoned believers to do something, maybe next week, write down your thoughts, journal your responses. An old man prays, an angel arrives, a boy is soon to be born. What do you think Zachariah thought? And what would you write? What act of graciousness will move you to write a kind of service that you will perform in this coming year? What's your voiceless response? Journal. And the second actor, Elizabeth, has a quite opposite voice, doesn't she? It's one of leaping joy. It's gregarious. It's a voice of laughter, even a loud cry. It's very unpresbyterian. <laughs> but it's Elizabeth's voice, and it may be yours this Christmas. So you will attend concerts and fill your home with music, and you will play the Nutcracker like I did all day yesterday, and it will be a joyous, wonderful home for you. And that's Elizabeth's joy. And if you have that joyful voice this season, I urge you to take your voice, your loud, joyful voice, to where Elizabeth took hers, to a frightened teenager, one that couldn't return to Nazareth because she was pregnant and had no husband. Do you think that Elizabeth's neighbors talked when she brought Mary in? You bet. But never mind that. Elizabeth blessed Mary and even made herself a servant of Mary. The mother of my Lord has come to visit me. So those of you who have fresh, leaping voices this Christmas, take some time to be with Mary's of our day. Volunteer at a soup kitchen. Visit a nursing home. Drop a note to someone in a bad place. I'm a seasoned Zachariah silenced, awed, unable to speak. And this church, this welcoming church, and many like it, are witnesses to those silent voices. And yet we also have boisterous voices, Elizabeth's voices. So where is Elizabeth's shrine today? Somewhere in Pasadena, the address is confidential, Somewhere in Pasadena, there is a place where pregnant women may go and live and work in safety, protected. The name of the place? Elizabeth's house. Muted Zachariah, journal your thoughts. Fresh, leaping Elizabeth, you bless the poor.
all for the sake of the good news of great joy. So we worship God this morning in silence and in loud voices. And we have eight more days as we share in the sacred season of Advent. Let us pray. Oh God, as we move through this season, we are waiting with voices muted, and we are waiting with voices joyful. Sometimes we wait with patience, sometimes we wait with silence, always we wait with you. And may the holy presence of Christ fill this congregation and touch each heart and each family here, that we may be faithful and we may be joyful in the precious days ahead. We worship and we pray through Christ our Lord. Amen. Please rise if you are able, and we will sing a wonderful hymn of response, How Great Our Joy. be seated. We have opportunity now to respond to this good news by bringing to God our morning tithes and offerings, our pledges for 2019. Our ushers will please wait upon us at this time.
may be seated. And now we go to our God in a time of prayer. God, we give you thanks for the wonder and mystery of the season, the lights and wrappings, the glorious hallelujahs and touching silent nights. Most of all, we give you thanks for this miracle that you have come to be with us, to be like us, to know us so we might know you and be with you. In this season of anticipation, give us also hope that in the future your promise will be perfected. You will come again and your glory might be revealed to all flesh and your will done on earth. We pray for your church gathered to worship, sent forth to serve. We pray for those who have not heard the good news we proclaim. Empower us to bring that word. We pray your blessings on the world, the world into which you came and into which we are sent as your body. We pray for the world's victims, those affected by war and conflict and violence, the homeless on the park bench, the hungry children. Be with all who suffer. We pray that by your compassion, you will sustain the lonely, give hope to the despairing, and fill the faint-hearted with courage. Raise up the sick, bring healing and renewed strength to all who need it. We give thanks that Sam Allen is here in the choir this morning after having been hospitalized this week. And we pray for complete healing for him. We pray for others who are ill or in the recovery process. Help us to comfort, encourage, and strengthen others as we minister in Christ's name. God of grace, you chose Mary, full of grace, to be the mother of our Lord and Savior. Now fill us with your grace that, like her, we may respond to you with obedience as we rejoice in your gift of salvation, which is through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, And forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. And now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, and the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit rest and remain with each one, this day, this night, in the season of Advent, and forevermore. Amen. We got to the end of, <clears throat> of our service, <clears throat> and uh, it, writes, it, it reads a musical benediction. Let me tell you a little bit about the context of this. Um, three years ago, uh, I set out to do something for Christmas. Uh, I was looking through the literature, and uh, nothing would do it. I mean, I couldn't, the, the passages for children were too difficult, 
for the choir as well, for the organ. So I said, maybe I do something that fits us the best here, you know, with what we have. So in October, I started uh, working on this, um, you know, on this piece. And uh, as I was reading through the uh, chapter of Luke, uh, second chapter, it's right at the place where it says that the angel said, and he brought the announcement to the shepherds, and they brought it further. And in that context, the um, angels were praising God, and um, that's where uh, I got inspiration from. And the music was born on this text, and so came the name of it, Glory to God in the Highest. And then uh, I said, okay, it's time to do something for the congregation as well, and the children. And I found a very nice hymn, which I incorporated. Uh, it's, sung it's sung both in Catholic and Protestant churches, and has very nice words. And I said, okay, I'm gonna have one verse for the children, one verse for the choir, but the congregation, this is your time. So please sharpen your voices, watch the conductor, consult this. Because you're going to find on, on uh, insert page number seven, the third verse is going to be with music notation. So all, all of you music uh, lovers, please open there and sing with me in the choir. So let's hear the sing, uh, glory to God in the highest. Praise the Lord with that. And children are here. Isn't that fantastic? Is that wonderful? Let's give them a, a round of applause be, before they even start singing.
thank you for, uh, very much for being with us this morning. And I would like to bring a few thanks for people who are working very hard to make this possible. I'm going to start with our pianist, uh, our own Michael Wright. He was doing such a good job all this Angelica Prodan is the next one on the organ. Helping soprano, Diane Reynolds. Drinda Frenzel. Amira Folden. Alto section. Christina Wilcox. <laughs> Megan Donoff. <laughs> Come to tenor, Christopher Craig. Look at that. Yeah. <laughs> Our own um, permanent help here, Tom Ringland, the great basso there. And the biggest interpreters, the Cavern Choir. <laughs> and thank you for doing a good job on your piece this evening. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. We're going to take about a two or three Those of you who are members and friends and would like to stay for the congregational meeting, please do so. Otherwise, join us for coffee and refreshments over in Fellowship Hall. Thank you again, choir. What a wonderful morning. This is Pastor Charles Fenson again, and we invite you at any point to come and worship with us here at Presbyterian Church of the Covenant in Costa Mesa. We trust that God has been honored by this worship service and that you have been blessed. God be with you.